0: Women today often feel fed up, overwhelmed, overworked, and completely stressed out. What can physicians do to help patients manage this stress? You are listening to Everyday Family Medicine on ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Jennifer Caudill. Joining me today is Dr. Tiffany Lowe-Payne, a family physician and founder and CEO of the Institute of Transformational Health and Wellness Incorporated. She is also an assistant professor at Campbell University School of Osteopathic Medicine at Bowies Creek, North Carolina, and the author of A Woman's Guide to De-Stress for Success, 10 Tips to Conquer Stress and Live at Your Best. Dr. Payne, welcome to ReachMD.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, I'm really excited that you're here because stress is huge, I think, for everyone, not only our patients, but physicians as well. And, you know, we also know that stress is a major underlying factor for many diseases. Can you talk a little bit about what ways that stress affects people mentally, physically, and spiritually? When we first think about stress, though, I want to make sure that people really understand that stress as an underlying factor
1: to chronic disease is actually more prevalent than we realize. It's been shown that it can account for at least 60, but some research actually says up to 90% of chronic medical diseases that we see in our offices every single day. So we know that this crosses all ages, all socioeconomic statuses, and all races, It's something that affects each and every one of us, and it's important for us to make sure that we address it. Now, when we think about stress and how it affects us, I think it helps to think of our bodies as this miraculous ecosystem, a whole entity that's made up of mental, spiritual, and physical components. For us to be completely healthy and whole, it requires that it's a delicate balance for us to have all of those elements be in place. If one of them's off, then it throws others off as well, and we know this as the biopsychosocial model. So when stressors come into our life, and it will, we know, we know I don't think any of us can, can really avoid stress. Whether they're positive or negative stressors that disrupt our balance or take us away from our norm, it actually stimulates our brain to release a host of hormones via our hypothalamus, our pituitary gland, and our adrenal system. It releases the hormones which we know are epinephrine or epinephrine, cortisol, among many other hormones that it can release, and it emits an effect on our body. Now in the short term, it's actually good. We know that it keeps us focused, it keeps us alert, helps us to be able to handle our task, whether it's an assignment or whether it's getting us out of dangerous situations. But in the long term, When you have chronic stress in your life for an extended period of time where you're running around like you're an energizer bunny with your gas pedal down to the floor, it can actually create a negative effect on you, a negative feedback of sorts, and it can cause an adrenal failure to occur, where your cortisol level will then become elevated to a maximum level and not be able to lower itself. This is where we start to see the issue. This is where you start to see things like your immune system begin to get lower, where you're getting sick all the time, where we have patients who come in with frequent colds or asthma attacks where we see increased levels of insulin or weight gain, where we start to see patients who complain of things like fatigue or inability to sleep, which then can lead them to be less focused or or have memory issues or irritability, or even engaging in poor lifestyle habits. As a matter of fact, the American Psychological Association said that 75% of people who say that their stress levels are moderate to high admit to engaging in unhealthy behaviors to help cope with stress. They can either self-medicate with things like shopping or eating, alcohol, or smoking. And we know that it can actually lead to illness. When we look at Americans, we know that one in three Americans have high blood pressure. 27 million Americans have diabetes. And we know it's actually caused because of stress, 200,000 smoking-related illnesses can occur. And then when you look at the top 10 leading causes of death, many of which are preventable, we know that that stress is a underlying factor in many of those, heart disease being number one. So it's important that we look at it and we address it because it really is affecting our patients.
0: How can physicians help patients recognize when they're stressed and what are some practical techniques that you recommend that patients utilize to help manage their stress? First, it's important for
1: us as physicians to be sensitive to the fact that our patients are stressed. It's almost like an elephant in a room, something that's sitting there when a patient comes in, especially patients that we see frequently in the offices who come in with these vague complaints that are occurring in their lives. The American Psychological Association put out a study called Stress in America back in 2013. And it actually showed that as providers, only 17% of us are having conversations, open discussions with our patients about stress. So we, we definitely have to have a conversation. When, when you start to do that, you start to see that when they come in with these issues, there's a lot of underlying problems that are occurring, whether it's in their social arena or psychologically, it may be an issue at work. We can help them evaluate these and then start looking at ways that we can help them get better. So I like to do a stress test of sorts a modified stress test where I begin to ask them a series of questions and these are actually questions that I've made up and I put a scale to them to measure whether a person's mildly stressed moderately stressed or or highly stressed things like are you having difficulty focusing or concentrating at the end of your day are you finding that you're irritable are you, are you really tired of feeling absolutely exhausted by the end of your day? And as patients start to answer these questions, we can help them see that maybe some of the symptoms that they have are because of stress. Once we, once we get that, then we can kind of go into some of the techniques to help them lower their stress level once we know what we're dealing with and then also they're knowing what they're dealing with as well.
0: Stress and burnout is also a growing problem for physicians and you know as a physician myself we're, we're both family physicians I feel like it's something that many doctors talk about a lot or feel what are some tips that healthcare providers and medical students and even medical residents can employ to avoid getting burnt out because this is this is a big issue right now
1: absolutely it's a major issue and it's getting bigger every every single year we're seeing more of it When you look at burnout syndrome, it actually consists of three components. You're extremely exhausted. You become cynical and less flexible. And in the midst of all that, you actually become more inefficient. So physicians actually have one of the highest burnout rates than any other profession that we see in America. It's estimated that approximately 40% of physicians will actually burn out. And one in every two of them will have at least one symptom of of burnout syndrome. And when we look at it, we also see that one in eight of them actually will self-medicate with drugs or alcohol to help them cope. So it is a significant issue. We also see that physicians commit suicide at a rate that is higher than the general population with nearly 400 docs committing suicide to completion each year. This is not just a problem for physicians, it's also a problem that we see for our medical students and our residents and interns as well. Some of the factors that lead to that are just simply the demands and stressors of patient care. We know that our hours are getting longer, they're not necessarily getting shorter with some of the administrative burdens that we're having. We also know that that many of the docs feel as if they have a lack of control with the changes in regulation that we're seeing. JAMA actually released an article in 2013 that said only 36% of doctors feel that they have a role in decreasing health care costs. So many docs are feeling like they're practicing medicine, but they're not really having a say in what they're doing. It also commands our identity. One of the things that makes us successful as physicians is also one of the things that can be a double-edged sword for us. And that's our personality, our type A personality, and the need to make sure that we dot all of our I's and cross all of our T's. It can actually affect us negatively because that perception or that sense that we have to be perfect in everything we do because we know that we're dealing with life and death issues on a regular basis can increase our stress level like none other. And when it commands our identity, those things that we see that we may not have done well or that we may have failed at or, or not done completely the way we want it to, it's also an indictment of who we are as individuals if we're not careful. And so we have to be mindful of that. It's also important that we don't get caught up in the biases and the stigmas. Many doctors, residents, and medical students, they don't get help because it's a sign of weakness. And as servant leaders who, where we're out in the community and we're, we're doing great things and we're pillars of the community, uh, we, we don't want to be perceived as being weak. Doctors are not supposed to get sick. That's what they say anyway. <laughs> and so we don't get the help that we need, but it's important for us to make sure that we we recognize when we're stressed out, we recognize when we're starting to get some of those symptoms of burnout syndrome so that we can get the help. If we don't take care of ourselves We won't take care of, um, we can't take care effectively, I think, of anyone else.
0: I feel like your comments and your frankness is really appreciated. And I think a lot of physicians and healthcare providers out there listening to your comments will be able to relate either because of personal experience or experience with colleagues or friends or loved ones. So I think this is a really important dialogue to have. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to Everyday Family Medicine on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Jennifer Caudle, and I'm speaking with Dr. Tiffany Payne, a family physician and author of the book, A Woman's Guide to De-Stress for Success, 10 Tips to Conquer Stress and Live at Your Best. We were talking a little bit about physicians and healthcare providers and the stresses that we often feel and some of the pressures that we have. What are some recommendations that you may have for healthcare providers to help lower stress?
1: I think that the recommendations that we would use for ourselves are really the recommendations that we would give to our patients. Some practical techniques that we can do every single day to make sure that we are lowering our stress level and really preparing ourselves and equipping ourselves to take care of our patients the best way that we can. Some of the most important things that I see, and I, I actually, you know, discuss this a lot in in the book, is the power of positivity. And I know that that actually sounds cliche and may sound a little fluffy, but it actually works. There is power in positivity. Research has shown. That individuals who think negatively, it it emits the stress response with those same hormones that we talked about earlier. But when you think positively, it actually can shut down that stress response and it can emit endorphins. And the endorphins will, we know, are mood-elevating. They help to stabilize you. They help to give you a, a better outlook on life. So doing certain things, simple things that we can do every single morning, such as positive affirmations, getting up and just saying something positive over your day or over yourself, it actually works. Speaking positively, being able to reframe your situation, even if the situation is a stressful situation, it, it doesn't necessarily have to affect you negatively if you're able to reframe how you're thinking about it. And so that is a key fundamental aspect to being able to lower your stress and to begin to look at things in a different light. In addition, we can help ourselves as well as our patients realize our limits. Understand that no is actually not just a powerful word but a very freeing word because it doesn't allow you to get yourself into a situation where you're taking on more than you can handle, where you have more on your plate and then you're not able to deal with anything successfully because you're spread too thin. The other thing that we need to do is be able to master the art of forgiveness, being able to forgive ourselves when we're not perfect or forgive the things that we're seeing that are occurring around us that aren't great. It's actually shown that the state of unforgiveness is actually as much of a risk factor for heart disease as smoking. So it's very, very powerful, often because it emits those same stressors, those same things that occur, and the hormones, and it also causes us to act out in a way that we wouldn't if we were able to forgive. It increases bitterness, it increases anger, it increases cynicism, and and so we know that all these things are actually unhealthy for us. So we have to be able to do that. And then just being mindful, practicing an art of, of mindfulness, whether it's through prayer or meditation. We know that there's a ton of research out there that says prayer and meditation works, especially when it comes to end-of-life issues. But it also works for our everyday lives. of our patients actually believe in a higher power or a higher entity and would not mind actually talking about it with their physicians. But studies show that only 10% of us actually are having conversations about spirituality as a part of our patients' overall medical care. So it's important for us to make sure that we're addressing it with them, but it's also important for us to make sure that we're doing it. And then, of course, things like yoga and practicing the art of breathing and mindful awareness. These are all things that we can do. And last but not least, I would say the importance of self-care, taking time for yourself, helping yourself as well as patients understand that it is not self-centered or self-indulgent to be mindful of how you manage yourself and take care of yourself. It's actually the first principle in self-preservation, making sure that you're able to be healthy and as well as you can be so that you can then go out and take care of everybody else
0: effectively. Those are excellent, excellent tips. And ones that I'm sitting here thinking about, "Hmm, I need to, I need to work harder at this, and I can do this better. And oh, don't forget to do that. I think these are fantastic tips that are very practical, that are great, not just for physicians and healthcare providers, but also for everyone. As we come to a close, I, I would love for you to talk a little bit more about some of the initiatives that you are involved in to bring awareness to the importance of self care and preservation and stress management, which is what you've just been talking about. And maybe how that relates to women and healthcare providers and why you wrote your book in the first place. Can you speak about that?
1: Absolutely. So we know that women are doing so many great things today. They are breaking through glass ceilings like never before. We're climbing corporate ladders. Women are actually starting businesses and becoming entrepreneurs at staggering rates. That that's absolutely amazing. With that being said, women also have traditional roles in play. So for as many advances that we've made, we are all still moms and wives, and some of us are caretakers. And so the demands that we have are actually very unique and, and much more than the demands that women had 50 years ago. And so our stress level is actually higher than it's ever been. That is actually the inspiration for me writing the book. It's an inspiration because of the number of women that I actually have seen come into the office who achieved great things by all accounts, but who on the inside were just feeling broken and and stressed out. And so the book goes over 10 practical tips that they can employ in their lives every single day, tips that I've even learned as myself as a woman who's successful but who was also very strong to help them lower their stress levels so that they can live at their best. I've also been able to initiate some great things through the Institute of Transformational Health and Wellness. I found it in 2015, trainings and seminars to help women lower their stress levels, not just recognize that they're stressed, but really incorporate some of these real-life practical tips to be able to lower it. And I'm also through that, launched the Healthy Fit and Fabulous campaign. It is a campaign for women who are leaders, whether they're physicians or, or in some other corporate arena, to be able to practice the art of self-care. It's a campaign that's going to be running all this year. April is Stress Awareness Month, so it is one of those things that we're really bringing light to issues of stress in general to make sure that we know that we have to be able to de-stress for success that we cannot success ourselves to death. So I'm really excited about some of the great things that I'm doing and that I'm able to do through the Institute with my team. And I'm looking forward to hearing some of the great things that are going to come out of people's lives from it.
0: That is wonderful. You know, we've talked a lot about your book. Where can people find your book if they're interested in purchasing it?
1: It is available on Amazon. It's also available on my website, www.drtiffanylopain.com. They can purchase the book there. They can also find out more about myself as well as the Healthy, Fit, and Fabulous campaign.
0: Is there anything else that you would like to add?
1: For every physician out there who may be going through a stressful situation or dealing with something that's causing them to be depressed or they're finding that they're at a place that could potentially jeopardize their license, please know that there is help available. There is the Physician's Health Program, which is a national program that's meant specifically for healthcare providers to preserve their licenses to help them get back to a place of living healthy and whole. That is something you can actually look up. It is an anonymous program that will help you get the services that you need so that you can continue to take care of patients. And it is absolutely anonymous as long as you go into it voluntarily, as long as you take part in it and are compliant with what is going with, with what they're asking you in the program, your license will be protected.
0: That's wonderful. That's very, very helpful information. Well, With that, I really want to thank you, Dr. Tiffany Lopain, for joining Everyday Family Medicine today. It was wonderful having you on the program.
1: Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here.
0: I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Caudill, and to access this episode and others in the series and to download the ReachMD app, please visit us at ReachMD.com, where you can be part of the knowledge. We encourage you to leave comments and to share this program with your colleagues. Thank you for listening.